Australia's federal and state governments are furiously fast-tracking transport projects, hoping for an infrastructure-led recovery from the COVID-19 recession. But our infrastructure pipeline is already bulging with mega-projects, and the history of such projects in terms of cost is, well, not great. The record shows governments have often ended up spending millions, even billions more on these projects than they first told us they would. Hello and welcome to the Grattan Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Austin, and today I'm joined by not one but two members of Grattan's Transport and Cities team. Firstly, Senior Associate Owen Emsley. Owen, welcome to you. Thanks, Paul. Owen and I are also joined by Senior Associate Greg Moran. G'day, Greg. Hi, Paul. Good to be with you. Owen and Greg are co-authors of a brand new Grattan report called The Rise of Mega Projects: Counting the Costs. Owen, let me start with you. Let's define the terms. What exactly is a mega project and why have you decided to focus on them? Thanks, Paul. Uh, the usual definition of a mega project is a project costing a billion dollars or more. We're focusing particularly on transport projects. And as you might expect, for that cost for a transport project, they're usually a transformative addition to a city or even a country's transport infrastructure. So examples might be an entirely new train line or a new highway through an urban area. 20 years ago, transport projects costing a billion dollars or more were quite rare in Australia. Now we have almost 20 of them under construction and they make up the bulk of the work that's underway. In fact, we've entered an era of what you might call mega, mega projects with nine projects underway with an expected cost of $5 billion or more. So that's some really big projects. These include West Connects in Sydney, the Westgate Tunnel in Melbourne, and Cross River Rail in Sydney, in Brisbane rather. Greg, can I bring you in here? Your report is about counting the costs of mega projects, but surely it's reasonable to expect that these big city-shaping projects will come necessarily with a big price tag. Yeah, so to some extent it is, but I guess what we're really concerned with is when governments end up spending much more on these projects than they first told the public they would. So in our report, we've used the Deloitte Access Economics Investment Monitor to look at the cost histories of all public road and rail projects in Australia worth $20 million or more and completed since 2001. And what we find is that over those projects, governments spent $34 billion more than they first announced that they would. That means that the final amount spent across those projects was 21% higher than initial cost estimates. But another finding which we focus on in the report and what is most relevant now, given the growth of mega projects is that these cost overruns were both more common and larger for larger projects. So just to put it in context, across all projects, about a third finish above their initial cost estimate and the average increasing cost is about 20%. However, for projects whose first cost estimate is a billion dollars or more, almost half have a cost overrun and the average increase in cost is 30%. So what we see is that in some cases, the size of the cost overrun on a mega project is in the hundreds of millions or even billions of dollars. So the overrun 
is the size of a very large project itself. And Owen, what is it about these mega projects that seems to make them much more prone to cost blowouts? Well, the first thing about really expensive projects is that they are often more complex than other projects. They're likely to have more components to them. They may require more innovative engineering solutions. And it's for these reasons that it can be very difficult to estimate their cost in the first place. The second thing is that having more components to the project most likely means many of the components are interdependent. So if something goes wrong with one component, that can flow through to others. A small issue can create a really large cost overrun. And Alan, we've uh, of course seen some pretty high profile problems with mega projects in recent times, haven't we? We have. Uh, And we talk about a couple of examples in detail in the report. The first is the Sydney CBD and Southeast light rail project. This is a project that ended up being built at almost twice its initial cost estimate and involved a quite damaging dispute between the New South Wales government and the contractor doing the work. The contractor filed a lawsuit in the New South Wales Supreme Court alleging that the government had engaged in misleading or deceptive conduct when providing information about the underground power lines that would need to be moved. Now, the two parties eventually reached a settlement agreement at a cost of more than $500 million to the government. So that added a lot to the project cost. Another thing with that project is that the expected benefits were re-estimated downwards. So what seemed to be a real winner of a project to start with, with a benefit cost ratio around 2.5, eventually got built with a benefit cost ratio that we can best estimate as probably being slightly under one. So the second example that we talk about in a bit of detail is the Westgate Tunnel Project in Melbourne. This project involves building a five-kilometre toll road tunnel linking the Westgate Freeway in Melbourne's inner west with the Port of Melbourne and CityLink at Docklands. The expected cost of this project has risen from $5.5 billion to $6.7 billion. And in that case, the increase in costs has been attributed primarily to the discovery of soil contamination and disputes around who is responsible for dealing with it, whether that falls to the, the government or the primary contractor or the design and construct um, consortium. Okay, Greg, can I come back to you and can I in particular come back to the analysis in the report? You've defined cost overruns on projects as the difference between the final cost and the first cost estimate. But I would have thought the early cost estimates are always going to be at least a little bit off. They really are an estimate. So my question is, is it really such a big problem if these early estimates don't turn out to be spot on? Yeah, look, it is true that we'll never be able to forecast costs perfectly, um, but there are ways we can get better at it, as I think we'll discuss a bit later. But we also need to recognise that when early cost estimates are regularly and materially wrong, it's a real problem because it distorts investment planning in at least three ways. So firstly, underestimating the costs of transport infrastructure can lead to the government over-investing in it relative to other spending priorities such as health or education. Secondly, if governments misunderstand the uncertainty in a given project's cost at the time they commit to it, their decision to invest in that project was made on an incorrect basis. So uh, the way governments choose between infrastructure projects is distorted if if our cost estimates are systematically off. And, And thirdly, and I guess related to that second point, is because 
unrealistic cost estimates are more prevalent for larger projects, those larger projects are made to look more attractive than they actually are. And again, governments are at risk of um, over-investing in them relative to perhaps more modest-sized and more worthwhile projects. So, so they're the ways in which when cost estimates turn out to be wrong can distort decision-making. But there's also a fourth and, and no less important problem here, and that's when unrealistically low cost estimates are publicly announced, then the public is misled. Indeed. So, Greg, you've explained that bigger projects are more likely to have cost overruns, but are there other factors that cause overruns as well? There are, and a big one we talk about in the report is premature cost announcements. So, a cost announcement is premature when government or opposition announces it will build a project for a particular cost, but the project doesn't yet have all the regulatory and financial approvals that are needed before it can actually uh, proceed. So these kind of initial cost announcements, these premature cost announcements, they're not the norm. Only about a third of projects have a premature cost announcement. However, these projects with premature cost announcements are responsible for more than three quarters of that total $34 billion uh, cost overrun. It's also the case, probably unsurprisingly, that the earlier a premature cost announcement is made, the larger the average overrun. So to put it in context, uh, all projects with a, a premature cost announcement have an average increase in cost of 35%. But if we just look at those projects with a premature cost announcement where that announcement was more than two years before construction on actually got underway, the average increasing cost is much higher at 68%. Now, Greg, all these findings we've been discussing are for projects that have been completed, but I want to ask you about the projects that are being built right now, because there's quite a few of them. Are there any signs that we're getting better at estimating or at least managing the costs of those projects? So unfortunately, it does seem that um, the cost overruns problem we've seen over the past 20 years is persisting into the into the current crop of projects. Um, so in the report, we look at what's been happening with the costs of some of the mega, mega projects underway. And we found that across just six of them, the total amount that is going to be spent is $24 billion higher than initial cost estimates. So to run through a few of these, the final cost of the West Connects project in Sydney is expected to be almost $2 billion more than its $15 billion estimate from 2013. North East Link in Melbourne is expected to cost almost $10 billion more than its initial $6 billion estimate back in 2008. And you also have expected cost overruns of $4.5 billion on the Sydney Metro City and Southwest project, $5 billion on the inland rail project between Melbourne and Brisbane, $1.5 billion on Cross River Rail in Brisbane, and a bit over a billion on the Westgate Tunnel project in Melbourne. And so across just these six projects, I mean, these are just examples where these cost increases have been confirmed. There are actually uh, a lot of media reports of cost blowouts on, on other mo uh, mega projects uh, too, such as the Melbourne Metro Tunnel. Okay, Owen, so I've got a bigger question for you. <laughs> what can we actually do about all this realistically, practically? Is there anything we can do about the projects that are already being built or is it too late for them? Of course, we can't go back in time and make our initial estimates of the projects underway more accurate. That would be a, that would be a nice solution. But, uh, but there are steps the government should take to better manage the portfolio of work underway, particularly if they're looking to add to it in the name of economic stimulus. 
The first thing we recommend is to conduct an immediate stock take. So this is empowering the Auditors General to investigate all current projects or all large current projects, assess the costs and benefit development and the status of the project. This will allow governments to review and reprioritise projects in light of the impacts of COVID-19 on costs and benefits and also in light of new fiscal policy and new push for new projects of stimulus. The second thing we recommend is a continuous disclosure regime. So the principle behind this is that taxpayers are the investors in public infrastructure. They have a right to know about material developments in projects just as shareholders of companies do. So we're recommending that ministers are required to update Parliament on any developments that are likely to affect costs. Practically, we think this will this extra transparency will really help with managing the projects that are in train. Our next recommendation is about uh, cost estimates that get published, and it's to specify the range and the status of cost estimates. So what this is about is we've seen, and it was mentioned earlier, that initial cost estimates are often materially too low. They're, they often don't have a lot of uh, rigor behind them, and that's not necessarily a terrible thing, but governments should be as clear as possible about how much work has gone into these estimates. That might be communicating um, how preliminary it is, and in a lot of cases where all we know is a range of costs that it could fall in, we can quote that range. And it prevents the, the number becoming the number that everyone looks to and thinks about. It's helping people understand better what the eventual cost might be. With that, we would recommend that they look to reconcile from one estimate to the next as the quality of the estimates improves and it'll be visible to everyone how that, how that moves over time. And another thing we recommend is to require independent assessment of infrastructure decisions. So this is basically beefing up state infrastructure bodies or beefing up their roles, uh, their legislative roles, so that they are required to review and assess the quality of business cases before money can be committed to large projects. Now, this is about additional transparency. It would not prevent elected representatives from doing their jobs, making decisions, but it would, ma would make it more politically costly for them to do so potentially. It would require them to justify a decision to invest money without the support of a of an independent body. We think this is a very necessary recommendation because we've observed over the last four years, most large projects are still being committed to without a business case that's been assessed or published in the in the public domain. And really, that's quite astonishing, isn't it? Okay, Owen, so sum up for me. This is actually the second Grattan report on cost overruns on transport projects. We also did one back in 2016. And unfortunately, the story remains pretty much the same. So is there anything else that our politicians should be doing, Owen, so that we cop fewer overruns in future? Well, first of all, we think that mega projects should be a last resort, not a first resort. Smaller projects are almost always less risky and they often have better 
benefit cost ratios. They're often deliver more bang for buck. So we recommend that state infrastructure departments look firstly for small projects, particularly if we're looking for stimulus spending. The smaller projects also are likely to get money flowing quicker and provide better stimulus. Our next recommendation is for to compile a cross-jurisdictional database of completed projects. So this would be a database that contains information on projects across Australia and would include initial cost estimates, cost development throughout the project and the final cost estimate. And would also include a lot of information about the project that would enable reference class forecasting to be undertaken. So that's where cost estimators can look at similar projects in the past and see what happened with their costs and how the project developed and use that to inform better cost estimation. And it's it's reasonably evident that that is quite hard to do at the moment. And one of the things we found, for example, is that when you do a business case, one of the things they calculate is a what they call a P50 cost estimate, which is the estimate which has a 50% chance of being sufficient to cover the cost of the project, and a P90 cost estimate, which is more of a worst case which has a 90% chance of being sufficient to cover the costs. And the gap between those estimates in business cases is typically about 7%. From our analysis of the Deloitte Investment Monitor, we suggested it should be more like 49%, a lot higher than 7%. It's evident that it's really hard to do good reference class forecasting to be able to, to come up with those estimates well. Now, the next recommendation we have is to reduce the proliferation of cost estimation handbooks. There are currently at our count 55 different guideline documents and handbooks used by different agencies and jurisdictions in Australia to do estimation of project costs. It is not helpful to have that many and it's confusing and they sometimes contradict each other. We recommend that the Commonwealth publish best practice guidelines. States and agencies can adopt those guidelines or adapt them and be clear where they're deviating. This would help consistency, clarity and ultimately quality of cost estimation. Our last recommendation is to learn from history. This is about publishing post-completion reviews, something that's often talked about and very rarely done. There's a lot to learn for cost estimation and project management from what's gone on in completed projects. And it's often really hard to find that information in the public domain especially whether on the benefits side, whether the benefits were ultimately achieved or some kind of assessment of that is especially hard to, to find. So having that more readily available for past projects would be a real help. Thanks, Alan. And thank you, Greg, for your expertise and for the work you've put into this valuable report. And thank you to you, our listeners. If you'd like to read the Rise of Mega Projects report, or our 2016 report on cost overruns, or indeed any of Grattan's reports and articles, head to our website, grattan.edu.au. It's all there, including our previous podcasts and webinars on transport, cities, and a whole lot more besides. You can stay up to date with all of Grattan's news and events by following us on Twitter at Grattan Inst or on Facebook, Grattan Institute. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, then please help your friends to find it by heading over to iTunes and leaving us a rating or review. Thanks for listening. <laughs>